ってらっしゃい。いってらっしゃい。It's time for Old Taku no Radio's Halloween episode.Welcome back to Old Taku no Radio. In true a n a g a m e r s tradition, this is a slightly belated podcast in which we'll be talking about a particular short form horror series called Yamishibai, Japanese Ghost Stories. Then again, Halloween's sort of become a month, arguably a season, for indulging our want for fictional fright, so we might actually be right on time, which is all the more scarier. And who are we? Well, I am Ink, contributing editor here at Anagamers, and my right hand man in podcasting madness is. Jared Nelson! Witty catchphrase! Witty catchphrase is the catchphrase of the future. I just like to keep it meta. So, what are you watching currently, Jared? Um, you know, not as much as I normally do.、Um, this season, we've got a lot of returning champions. We've got、uh, Sound Euphonium、uh, 2, we've got Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, there's another season of Haikyuu that I am even more woefully behind on, so I'm not watching that right now.、Uh, I am watching Euphonium and Gundam.、Um, As far as new stuff goes, oh, of course. I mean, everyone should assume forever that I'm watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because I am. And by the way, can I just say, best opening sequence of that series is this season. Hands, Hands down. down. Yeah. Hands down. It's absolutely the best. It's got this, like, I don't know. I, I see that and it, it strikes some 1980s chord in me, even though it's set in 1999. Like, just the. There's a sensibility about it that's really old school. I don't know. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's probably, if I was to say what's my favorite thing of the season, that's probably it. I love that intro. Like the pieces. Where I, the point I watch it over and over.、Um, new stuff. New stuff that I'm watching.、Uh, watching Drifters.、Uh, not, not keeping up with it on a week to week basis. I am, as you will see from. My three episode tests, which went up, I think, just、uh, a day or so ago, as of the time of this recording, which you can find my and Inks and Alex's three episode tests at anygamers.com slash three episode test.、Um, I'm watching、uh, March Comes In Like a Lion, which is a, you know, it's a very,、um, it's a very, Character driven, I guess, slice of life anime that happens to have shogi、uh, in it. And、um, that's, that's, been, that's been pretty good so far. It's gotten, it's gotten better. I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to stick with that one, but I think I might stick with that、uh, week to week.、Um, Poco's Udon World, which is、uh, Barakamon meets Sweetness and Lightning with a twist of eccentric family. And I like that show a lot.、Um, I, that is always going to play well with me. Anytime you've got、um, you know, um, an adult character with an adorable child character and they're doing adorable like, parent and child type things together, that's going to that's gonna get me every time. I'm going to watch that kind of thing.、Uh, so I'm, I'm watching that. And.、Um, Miss Bernard says? Oh, I am watching, Miss Bernard said. I, not, I didn't.、Uh, I didn't write it up, but I'm watching that, and it's fantastic.、Okay. Um, do, you have to hit, do you have to hit pause as much as I do? Because, like. <laughs> yes. That last episode, I was just sitting there, like, okay, 
I let a frame go by, and I was like, <laughs> click, I, click, click. I thank God that that's a short anime because if it was a full length anime, it would take me probably two hours to watch it. Yeah. Because every four or five seconds, I'm having to hit pause and read all of the stuff that they're that they're talking about. And um, there was, but there yeah, was, it's so good. There was actually a joke in there that I think Crunchyroll. I, I don't even know if this was uh, intentional or not. Um, but at one point they go for uh, a phrase using Kafka-like, and for a while using Kafka-esque was like this big, like thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, wait, wait, did they mean to use that? Because that would have been fantastic. <laughs> that's kind of how I picked it up when I was when I was watching it. I, I sort of, I guess, automatically retranslated that into my brain for them to to be picking up on the whole Kafka-esque. I guess meme now. That's that's a really Trend. funny short. There's a lot of good shorts, um, and you're watching All of like them. 500 shows, <laughs> Inks. So talk a little bit about what you're watching this season. Oh man, okay. While I try to remember the other one. <laughs> well, aside, well, maybe mine will spark yours. Um, uh, let's see. Of course, continuing folk shells from Japan as well as JoJo's. Um, I'm I'm hugely in love with uh, Nobunaga no Shinobi uh, Samurai, guy, Samurai Girl and Ninja Master it's uh, from the guy, same director who did uh, Poyo Poyo so there's just a lot of good fun warm comedy in there and the juxtaposition hmm. of the, the the gore and the, the uh, cuteness of the chibi characters are it's just a lot of fun uh, are you watching the one that has the Sengoku era generals and warlords as animals oh, in yes. a like sunie style kind of definitely definitely yeah that that's a lot of fun too although granted a lot of the historical references and jokes are going right over my head but there's a lot of stuff in there that i recognize too and it has a good sense of humor round sense of humor so even if you don't know well all the little ins you still enjoy it mm. um is that of the last witch which i think may have been it for you no? no it should be that that alternate history stuff is something i usually latch right onto um and i've got that on my queue i just i haven't watched it yet what's, what's it about it's legit good it's um just sort of like a, a parallel pre-world war ii uh german invasion take and mm-hmm. it, it has you know germania uh invading the local land or the areas outside of its borders and it basically, there were these two childhood friends, or two kids who met in childhood. One's a witch, one's a princess of Eldestat, I think, is the country's name. Random German-sounding country. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just say something that sounds like a cough, and it probably sounds German. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. The Germans wanted to use the witch for a weapon. Instead, it uh, shoot falls in, happens to meet her friend again, and comes to the aid of that country. Um, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of good animation, too. And if you're, like, into World War II machinery, especially planes, tanks, like, you'll just sit there and watch it for that. Honestly, the dive bombers, beautifully rendered. And they had Henkel 111s in there, and I was just going, yay! Wow. <laughs> so it's a magical girl show, but it's it's also a military otaku show. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's probably not as crazy a combination as it might sound, given that 
lots of people I know that like Magical Girl shows also like military otaku shows. Not to mention all all the uh, usual uh, points of reference that you know uh, other media make shows, uh, animation, whatever, to the occult side of the German war machine. Um, you had like Full Metal Alchemist, The Conqueror of Shambhalo. Various video games cover this too, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, so th- this Santa fits in nicely with the with with that without being too focused on stupidity. It's like, yeah, we know we're we're claiming a witch. Okay, that's our premise. We're going with it. Uh, Interesting. Yuri on Ice was that? That's the one. Okay. That's the one. That's the one everyone should be. I think everyone is watching it. It's, I mean, for what whatever reason. I mean, at least people are ingesting Sayo Yamamoto's work, and Amen. that's wonderful. For those who don't know, it's Pretty Boy Figure Skaters, uh, figure skating, and you know. One particular pretty boy figure skater who's lost his stuff and is being trained by his idol. Who is the most beautiful human ever in anime, basically. Um, I, I love that that show so far, and it's been really fun to watch. And one of the things I really appreciate about it is how it goes from you know nice sports drama type set pieces to funny, sensual, fanservice-y kind of pastiche, and then there's these slapstick moments where the the main character sort of steps out into this meta-narrator kind of of mode and explains all these random things about figure skating. So, I mean, it's it's very self-aware, that show. It's really well-animated, um... The folks at MAPA have done a really good job of that. Um, it's it, especially if you figure skating. There's so many motions and so many movements that they would have to capture mm. on a frame by frame basis. That, that the fact that they're able to catch it as smoothly and crisply as they as they have so far is really kind of amazing. Well, I don't I don't know if you follow them on Twitter, but I think uh, I've seen I've seen numerous ones roll across uh, from the, from an account that's like Yuri on Ice. But they're frame by frame sketches of some of the ice skating moves, and you get to see how attentive they are to the very minute movements. Um, and it's really wonderful. But uh, there's also on the flip side of that, I'm watching Scorching Ping Pong Girls, which I <laughs> uh, kind of hated myself for starting to like because I'm watching that for Corey's uh, podcast, and I love racking on bad anime on his podcast sort of a tradition now isn't it exactly but yeah that that as far as the explanations of things go like there's a lot in there like they they do explain certain moves and uh terminologies and strategies and all that unfortunately most of it is boob fondling and um just all the otaku moe garbage but there for the first three episodes there was some legitimately good story visual storytelling and I thought it was going to go off because, you know, I, I put a little too much into my own hopes. Uh, I thought it was going to go off and explore the desperation and anger and all these dark side emotions through these Moe characters because the lead ace in the club is being threatened by a rising star who, like, just started but beat everyone in the club um, and now is, you know, going for her position. And she's 
you get this backstory to her where like her parents always wanted her to be number one, but she was always nothing but mediocre at everything except for ping pong. So you actually start to empathize for her or with her, and you know suddenly like oh my god no she can't lose this she this is the only thing she has. <laughs> I really just wanted the series to keep going down that track, but uh, because you know it's a team thing, and of course they have to make friends and be nice and then advance together through championships and whatever. But, yeah. You're watching Ass Torpedoes too, right? Oh, of course. Everyone should be watching Ass Torpedoes. Which, let, 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 for the for the record, it's Keijo, exclamation point, 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 exclamation point. And if you haven't beaten your head into the desk by that point, then, <laughs> then congratulations. You have the mental fortitude to watch that it's a brilliant animated show. program. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly stupid. <laughs> I is dare. it is it trying to do anything? I, I saw the first episode, and um, about half an hour after that, after I stopped throwing up, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of decided it, it it wasn't for me. But so many people have talked about how no, it's really good. It's actually good, and can you can you be the standard bearer for that argument for a minute, Inc., and, and, and bring me around if you can? Okay, first off, it's not about titillation. It's, I mean, all, these are girls walking around in swimsuits who were busty beyond all belief and had asses out to the nines or whatever, but they're not drawn to be sensual. I mean, obviously, it's going to appeal to some people like that, but... Honestly, the art's just not there, and the camera's, like, way too close into things, um, you know, perversely, over-perversely. It's, like, indulging yourself so much that it suddenly becomes intolerable, and you have to laugh at that fact because that's the selling point of the show. And it, it's just rather amazing. Like, the training sequence in episode two involves ass exercises, one of which is walking with your ass. The in in their in their classroom lessons they learn about astronomy, astronomy. Okay. It's 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 obviously uh, mocking. So so it's it's absurdist to the point of where you know it's not to be taken seriously. Is there any is there any sense of empowerment in the part of the characters? No. No, it's. I mean, honestly, it's a horrible show. It should not exist. But if you're going to do what the show is doing, I think it's doing what it's doing correctly, because in in the shonen battles, in the the battle scenes, there's a tension that's obscured by the absurdity of the humor, because you'll have like attacks called butt gaddling gun, <laughs> where the person is thrusting her posterior towards the other woman at like. 58 times a minute in an attempt to knock her off the platform. And it's literally shown like lunges and just sort of these phantom butts that appear on the screen separated from the character to imply like speed. It's amazingly stupid. <laughs> and I cannot watch an entire episode without cracking up at least three or four times. I probably still can't watch that show, but I'll, I'll, I'll think about giving it another, another go. There you go. Uh, another one to watch is To Be Hero, uh, which is... Oh, yes! yes. That's so good. Sorry. Same director as... Oh, uh, Shinichi Watanabe, who did... 
Excel Saga. Oh, he did Excel Saga? Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so. It's from the director who did uh, Excel Saga, and it's the much of the same humor, the juxtaposition of uh, just a ton of gags that are, you know, a combination of self-mocking and slapstick. Um, all just sort of rapidly fired at you and highly entertaining. And the art is that- beautiful. I think that's probably the most funny show for me this season um, is is To Be Hero. I I am bursting at the seams laughing every episode that I watch of that. Nice. And uh, the only other thing I'd, I'd really want to talk about is uh, Eoni, uh, the Blue Monster, which is uh, another TV short, but it involves uh, four or five kids who are uh, in a haunted house and the the specter haunting it is this blue monster and I don't know if it changes form so there's just a lot of these blue monsters but there's different forms of him and every episode everyone dies and it's it's got a nice air of a little bit spooky but mostly it's a comedy and you know there's gore all over the place and just how each one dies is hilarious the most recent episode had just a great thing it was just a love confession between one character and she's constantly interrupted by other people getting killed (laughs) so it was just a lot of fun nice yeah (laughs) but that brings us to another short form horror story well yes it does I didn't plan that at all (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about Yumishibai Japanese ghost stories Yumishibai is a bit of an odd monster in itself it's a short form anime that can be very very creepy and that's really hard to achieve a, a couple of years ago there was a show called Pupa which was I think around 7 minutes long each episode and it tried to form a consistent narrative but try to form a narrative in you know those those seven minute installments never really worked because you didn't get the atmosphere to carry um, what Yamishibai does is in three and a half minutes or four and a half minutes uh, manages to tell one story create its own atmosphere and through its own aesthetics just really make itself stand out as something abnormal yeah, the, one of the things that I was a bit worried about when we started watching this, or you rewatched it, I watched it for the first time um, for, the, for the podcast, is the tension and establishing a mood are really tough to do on a short time frame. And uh, Yamishibai, one of the things I thought it did really beautifully is it establishes a mood for each of its stories very, very skillfully. Uh, and that's so key. Uh, and you know, I totally forgot about Pupa until you mentioned it a moment ago. And you could never really, because they were trying to chain it all together, you, you could never really get kind of slipped back into that mood you have to be in to be open to, to, to be scared, you know, for, for a horror show. So, that was one of the things that struck me right away as I was starting to watch the first season was just how great it was at hitting that mood and setting that tone really quickly uh, and how economical it was in using the time, the very limited time that it had. 
do you, do you think it owes a little bit to that that five second introduction of the storyteller gathering in the first two season seasons there's a, a storyteller who brings a lot of children in front of this uh, box which we'll talk about a little later um, but there's you know that in, that short intro that's the same on everyone is just sort of inviting people into the story and that seems to be just enough to make you sit down and invest. Yeah, it's sort of a palate cleanser in a way. You know, you can you, you come into it, you have that intro, there's the slightly creepy music, there's the really creepy guy with the, the Kamishi by box, which we probably need to talk about what those are in a minute. But um and and really the guy on a on a punchable face index is probably about an eight point seven five. I just I wanted to punch the guy in the face so much. Wait, um, wait, why, why did you want to punch him? Because he just was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> he had this creepy – the mask he wears is this creepy kind of like – it's this sort of mocking smile kind of face. And, and, and that's like just the perfect thing to, to score very highly on the Jared Nelson uh, punchable face index. So he was he was you know just really creepy and um, you know uh, – fight or flight is is kind of the fear response right so that um that i think did help set the tone uh for these shows and and then in the third season uh you've got the 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 boy with the sketchbook and i kind of thought that was creepier (laughs) because he's just sketching and he's singing this song and you know he has this young voice but he's singing a song about people going over to the other side and things for the other side coming here and it's like, oh man, it's it's really um, it does a really good job of of kind of priming you. So when you drop right into that story, you're you're kind of already where you need to be in an emotional standpoint to to really get the full impact. Mm. So I mentioned the unique aesthetics of this show, and you mentioned the Kamishibai box. So would you care to explain what Kamishibai is? Uh, yeah, in a in kind of just a, a high-level sort of sense, uh, a kamishibai is a it's a it's a pay, it's a moving paper proto movie type technology where you, you've got um, a guy who goes around. Um, this was a a, a popular uh, art form in the. Well, the origins of it can go way back, but uh, in the late 19th and, and 20th century, particularly in the post-war period, yeah, you saw a resurgence of, this, of these um, performers where they, they come around with this box and they, they tell a story uh, using the uh, different uh, paper panels in the box, and they have moving figures and things in there that they, that they sort of do – you know, puppetry with and acting all the characters and things. In the context of Yamishibai, it's it's a the the aesthetic is not a typical anime aesthetic. It's a very paper doll looking kind of aesthetic. You've got a lot of of still frames. When there is movement, it it looks very much like a like a paper doll moving against a, a background surface, um, which simulates kind of. The, the same effect you would get from the Kamishibai box itself. And the art is also textured in a way that makes it look like paper. 
uh, when you're when you're watching the the show. There's um, the infinite shades are just so bloody beautiful. Yeah, it's really well shaded, and there's there's little spots um, where where it's a little darker, and it, it where they try to really make it look like this is paper that you're watching dancing about on your television. Um, and it has, you know, another kind of vintage effect that really, you know, I think just adds another layer to it is it has like those, those little dark spots like old films do. Mm. <laughs> and, um, that was a really cool kind of visual thing to make it feel vintagey. But the, the, the effect of it is that you have this very old fashioned style of storytelling, but it, it really works for, uh, the, the horror genre it's trying to represent. When I initially saw the uh, animation, uh, like for the first episode when this you know premiered in um, 2013, uh, it was unlike anything that was being shown at the time or really has since, except with the exception of one series. Um, that's nowhere near as good. Uh, I really loved how limited that that you know just the fact that they could just use the paper doll effect so well in the the, the medium of animation. And the, I got, actually got disappointed when I saw the dolls' like facial expressions moving, mm. where they made them talk. I kind of just wanted them to be still all the time, just a singular doll instead of being animated. But, you know, I guess you have to... It, it's not bad, because you are in the media, uh, medium of animation, so, you know, it's allowable. It just took you out of that direct effect. But it's still fantastic. It's just a little off-putting visually sometimes. It also seemed like the third season had a better budget than the first two seasons, uh, because there's the 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 animation feels a bit more richly detailed, um, and the the colors there's a bit deeper shading I think with some of the colors. Um, but I think to your point, a lot of what kind of pulled me out of it in the third season was that they kind of upped the ante on the, the faces moving and talking mm. uh, in the third season. There was more of that, or you would have a, a shift where they would change their expression as the story unfolded. And that, I think that that happened more in the third season with those better production values. But, but to your point, I agree that that was something that really – I don't know. It didn't really help very much. Um, I don't think that it added to, to the the vintage kind of feel that they were striving for in the first two seasons. But what it does nail consistently in all three seasons is uh, the execution of the various horror types, whether it was Booscare, like psychological or trauma-based, monster-based, which is more of the third season, but they kind of have, you know, creepy things all, all around. Um and they do them all really well, or not all of them all really well. Some of the some of the monsters come across as hackneyed. Some of the uh, boost scares are just super silly, and either they didn't have enough time or they had too much time, which is a funny thing to say given it's a four and a half minutes you know, show. <laughs> <laughs> well, to your point on that, I, I think when the show works, it nails the timing just right. And when it doesn't work, and I think we're going to talk about some specific episodes later, mm. um, when it doesn't work, that timing 
they they just they miss the landing. They don't stick the landing, so to speak. So um, definitely, the the types of horror we have on display in Yamishibai, it's it's almost a survey of horror. And I was trying to think of all the different kinds of like subgenres of horror that you see in this series. The only thing that I could think of off the top of my head that you don't have is some you know Eastern European count in a castle. <laughs> that's that's mm. it. But like just about everything else is 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 represented and there's there's probably three that stand out to me the most. One being sort of the the psychological horror mm. where a lot of the tension that's created is coming from um, sort of a mental dimension. A character's panicking about something uh, that may or may not be there. Well, um, that's also a huge <clears throat> part of Japanese folklore is just fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Like that's why they have so many yokai. It's just you know stuff to explain the bumps in the dark. Yeah, it's it's really yeah. I think probably Japanese horror as a, as a genre of horror movies and 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 genre of horror itself is probably best known for that particular aspect of it. And, and of course, they do it really well here. Uh, another thing I thought was really neat is, you know, the, the poor people <laughs> in the show. Uh, it, it they it's kind of it kind of has a um, you hear it most commonly thought of as Lovecraftian horror, but it's sort of the the cosmic horror where the gods just don't give a crap about human life and they do what they do and humans are just caught in the middle of it and they're just kind of crushed by the by the laws of you know the cosmic forces at play with all the different supernatural creatures and stuff um because some of these things it's like people just roll up to the wrong spot at the wrong time and they have a really bad night mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know That's it's it's not a phone call from your friend <laughs> yeah yeah it's not like they it, it, it's not like the other type of thing we see in the show where there's definitely – and this, t- this ties back to the, the practice of kamishibai being a, a sort of teaching tool for Buddhist monks is you know, some of these very clearly the moral of the story is don't be a dick about this particular thing or don't, don't lie, don't, don't do this particular thing or bad things will happen to you because there's, there's several – there's several stories where they they pretty much tell you don't do this thing because if you do this thing something's bad's going to happen and of course because we have to have stupid people in horror horror stories they do the thing and then they're punished for it um, so that there's, sort of religious bent is really interesting too yeah and there, there's actually a wonderful example of that exact lesson in um, another series folktales from Japan um, and they did a, a series of spooky uh, folktales for I think four weeks or so uh, earlier uh, in the month but um, one of which was just uh, a person who was given a box to carry to another person who was waiting under a bridge and the only condition was okay don't open the box and she gets to the she forgets to bring the box to the person under the bridge because it's raining and he like runs straight home his wife opens the box and then she turns into like this massive eyeballs because it was an eyeball in a box, and uh, she's abducted or she transforms into one of the ghosts, but the the guy takes the box to the person under the bridge after the night, and of course trips and then sees it, and then is you know, still 
still uh, eaten alive or whatever whatever horrible thing happened to him. Mm-hmm. And that, that's another thing that we see in Yamishibai a lot too. When you mentioned how people turn into things very frequently, not quite every episode, but but most episodes, people end up doing a thing they shouldn't do and they end up becoming one of the monsters by the end of it or at um, least or at least possessed or at least possessed by a monster yeah you know don't open the doll don't open the box with the earrings don't stop laughing don't stop laughing oh that's a good one that was such um, a great episode <laughs> <laughs> you know there's there's lots of of transforming into the monster is a very common theme or being being taken over by evil is a very common theme, and that kind of ties back to the sort of the 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 parable or morality play uh, aspects of um, you know the folklore in general in Japan, and then just the way that kamishibai was used to teach these sort of Buddhist type morality things, uh, you know, with you know in in history, and that. Uh, as, as a as a horror thing that also ties into uh, another type of horror, which uh, I know you have brought up before, is uh, body horror. Yeah. And just all those misshapen, weird juxtaposition things of human and either an obsessed object or something that reflects their inner sin. As mm-hmm. um, it's, I, I, I got to give the show a good deal of credit for being so creative with the, the designs. The designs are super, super creepy. And they really like mouths. They really like doing weird things with mouths in oh, the yeah. show. It, like half the monsters have crazy mouths or they're they just are mouths. They're mouths with hats sometimes. They're just it, cuckoo it, over mouths. They're they 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 are. That's that's their kink. Um but the, the the body horror aspect of this is is really, um, you know, we see that a lot in the in sort of the the shock endings, you know, um, the the one the one where uh, the girls on the phone, you know, that one, and um, those did not always those were not always the most effective for me, uh, but I think that goes back to the timing issue. Um, I. I- uh, there, there's this one episode uh, just to touch on what it's Jared saying. There's um, a girl who's on the phone with someone who's called her, and she's you know really upset uh, because something happened uh, while her and her boyfriend, I think, were you know sort of a test of courage deal. Um, and of course, something supernatural happens, and um, she's on the phone. She wants to know uh, if it's okay to you know come back and. There, you know, while she's on the phone, there's a knock at the door, and you know she's just finished hearing this creepy thing, and the big question is who's behind that door, and I actually really like that episode just because you didn't know, mm-hmm. and and it's uh, it didn't stick the landing. Uh, it's not like a really good yeah fear episode, but it's it's got a lot of good creep to it. I, I love that I love that episode up until the ending because the, the way they build the tension in the episode with the phone call and 
and you get conflicting stories and you have unreliable narrators involved, you know, suddenly it's, you're calling lots of things into question and that was outstanding. Hmm. Um, I just, when, when I got to the ending, I was like, ah, man, come on. Yeah. It's like a, really? <laughs> like th- that's one that if it was 15 minutes long and, and they, they kept stretching that out, that, that could have been like really damn creepy towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's some of these that I, I feel like if they had gone on, you know, maybe another minute longer, or if they had been five or six seconds shorter, and I mean literally down to seconds, the impact uh, of the story could have been been much greater. But that said, they're still wonderful. Uh, in general, these are these are really good. Um, well, what makes them, uh, in my opinion, what makes them so good is you know, like you you mentioned it before. It's just the skill in building suspense, uh, and you know the humanization of these characters in such a short time, and you can really chalk up that uh, that mood that they create to lack of ambient scoring um, and the importance of sounds. Because I watched this on headphones, whereas I watched the originals, I think, uh, just on my TV, and there's a lot of really clear Foley work going on there. Um, and I think it was the bug episode that I loved the most uh, in episode, I think, the third season. Uh, because there's constant skittering just in every, in, in both ears and across, uh, going across from right to left and left to right. And it just really sends you the, like, your, the hairs stand up on your arms, and it's like, oh my god. Uh, the, the the rat episode is pretty effective with that too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you always hear the chittering of the of the rats as it as it goes on. Yeah, but I, like you said, it, it's it knows how to use all the elements of horror, um, you know, intimate settings that are isolated, so you don't have you know contact with the outside world. It also has really great stupid protagonists um so just just a psa from old taku no radio guys don't ever do tests of courage just just don't don't ever don't go into abandoned japanese hospitals don't go into abandoned japanese schools don't go into a school that's not abandoned at, at night uh if your sister leaves her homework at school just like say tough deal with it um well if you like your Never sister. open the damn door, ever. Just don't do any of those things. Brought to you by Old Talking Already. You, you gotta have stupid people in horror, in horror shows, though. You, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the prerequisite. <laughs> um, but they're not all stupid. Like, there's, uh, there's that one episode, I was, uh, Homecoming, or something like that, with that, oh, that Don't right. Stop Laughing episode. And, and even the the uh, last wish one with the funeral and uh, people who have to say like a, a sin that they've committed against the the dead. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, all those are just really nice and human. Uh, That's true. That's true. They're, they're the ones that are pretty much just sucks to be you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Generally, you get the, the one with the drums. With the, the drums, those that one's really good. Um, 
not a whole lot they could have done. <laughs> you no. know, like you're just you're just kind of hosed. Um, but but the I think it might be more fair to say that it's um, the humanity of the protagonist is maybe a bit overdramatized for the purpose of the story, you know, which that happens. Hmm. Uh, but there's still some that are just like, what are you doing? So we've talked about a loose understanding of uh, Yamishibai and how it's based on Kamishibai. Uh, I want to get into some of the episodes and strength and weak, uh, strengths and weaknesses of uh, the individual seasons. So what, what did you think was... Well, we'll start with season two, because season one... Well, what did you think was the main theme of uh, a season one? Or is there a main theme? An overall overarching theme of season one? I, I didn't feel like there was really one in season one other than... And this might be just because I've seen all three of them in, in fairly close succession, but season one is sort of let's establish the ground rules of how this works... Um, there are no happy endings. Um, you know, everyone you see is screwed. Um, supernatural creatures abound and, you know, basically just prey on humans. I don't know if any of those were intentional themes uh, from that first season, but I felt like we got a very good variety of different tales in the first season uh, that kind of established what the rest of the show was going to be like. See, I saw, I saw, uh, for the most part, because each each season has a lot of uh, different uh, attacks to, you know, how they want to tell the ghost story. But the first season I saw is largely external. There are a lot of monsters encroaching. It's not a lot of internal torment. Mm, yeah. And so, you know, the boo scares are a little more prominent in the in the first se- in the first season, and you get a, a little episode six, like the overhead rack. That's a lot more psychological. <laughs> that uh, was so great. Yeah. Uh, and the family that, rule. That's the meatball one, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the the teeth in that meatball are so bloody scary. <laughs> yeah. Again with the mouths. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, why don't you talk about your favorite episode of uh, season one? I think if I'm if I'm to pick one, um, I'm gonna pick two. Um, there there were several I liked, but uh, the next floor, I really liked that one, where you have um, a guy who's out shopping, I think with his wife, and he's just he's 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 ready to get out of there. He you know, heads the elevator and he's he's going to the next he's 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 getting out of here. He's going to the next floor and he basically stuck on a on a elevator from hell type thing and ends up never being able to to come back. He he comes he comes back out of the mall at the end of the episode and it's all dark and it's closed and he looks back at the elevator and the attendant who he thought was a mannequin is actually surprise, some sort of supernatural mannequin creature um, and that's when the episode ends. I like that one. That's another one of those. Um, actually, actually, that's not where it ends, though, because the 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 whole thing is that guy's a dick. Well, well that, not, that's no. what I was getting to. Is uh, like the moral the moral of the story is is don't be an asshole. Um, 
you know, and, and or you'll or you'll be you know, you'll go to hell for it, almost mm. literally, uh, if not figuratively. Um, so so that one that one was really good. Uh, the other one is the one that we um, that we already kind of talked about a little bit. The um, the one with the the woman on the telephone. That one is really good. Um, how about you, Ink? Which ones did you like? Uh, man, there were there were there were a couple. I love that overhead rack episode just because it's uh, it brings together you know a confined space but with lots of people and a lot of good horror stories uh, nowadays sort of take away the the comfort of being surrounded by people by being surrounded with the familiar and what the overhead rack episode manages to do in four minutes is establish that this dude is seeing something that no one else is seeing and he's so worried about it because the train stops and the lights go out and all of a sudden he's you know being slowly devoured by this monster it's a lovely metaphor for worry taking yourself over and it's just a really creepy episode if you think about it and the uh, the other one would be uh, Tomonari-kun actually um, just because I like there's there's this shadow on the on the floor that a group of kids are talking to and quote unquote playing with um, and a, a girl walks past them and the shadow tells the kids that oh hey she could she, she should come over and play too and she makes this false promise to them and say oh yeah I'll do it some other day um, and then that shadow ends up haunting her and the price she has to pay is awesome because at the end of the episode, you realize this is just sort of this consumptive force, and it's it's you know moral tale always do what you say, but it was just this ominous thing of it's like it's going to keep going, and it doesn't have to say that it just adds a shadow. Yeah, that that's a really good one. And kids in this series come in one of two varieties: they're either normal or exceedingly exceedingly creepy. Creepier than some of the monsters sometimes. Mm. These kids to me and and that episode Inks talking about were probably creepier to me than than the the shadow monster thing. I mean they were they were disturbing. It sounded like they were stoned half the time. They did sound like they had some really good cush. <laughs> so what what, uh, what episodes didn't meet the mark? Uh okay. So farewell farewell confessional. Um, so why, is, why didn't you like that one? Because I love that one. I did too until the end, and that's why I don't like it. Um, because to me, it's it's all about the timing and when you release that tension on a, in, a, in a horror uh, show or film or thing. And if they had just done something a little bit more subtle, a little bit more psychological with the end, instead of so, let me let me back up and like say here here's here's what the thing's about. So. Uh, this guy comes into town for a funeral of a family member, I think. I don't know that they explicitly say. Um, and he, he comes in and he notices it's not quite the typical funeral, uh, the, the Buddhist style funeral. It's, you know, there's a bunch of people, you know, sitting, sitting down, sitting out in front of this room where the, the body of this man is, is laying, uh, and, 
people go in and they they whisper uh, these things, these secrets that they couldn't tell the guy in life. And the first one is is something really shocking. It's it, the, this guy leans down and says, "You know how your your wife was pregnant that one time? Well, that was me." <laughs> and he gets up and leaves and like, damn. And then uh, a woman walks in there and she says something that's disproportionately minor. <laughs> it's like, you know, sorry about your dog that I did something to one time. Or, um, and then the, the kind of focal point character, uh, that we're introduced, uh, to at the beginning of the story, he, he's, he's having, he's kind of like, this is really weird. I don't know what's going on. And they kind of have to goad him into going in there. And he, you know, tells a secret and, um, he, he bends down, he whispers and, you know, he, he, you don't, and, and this is good. This is, you know, good horror, right? You don't hear everything about the secret. You don't really know what the secret was. Um, he feels relieved that he, he got to, you know, get through this little bit of the ceremony and he's getting ready to, to walk away. And then the, the body of the guy does that, that horror movie, like rapid sitting up and he's got this weird twit, you know, scary face and he says, you know, is that true? <laughs> and I'm just like, damn it, just God, like, why did you have to, why did they have to do that? That was such a stupid way to end that show. Like, all they had to do to make that work was have the guy's eyes open. Like, because mm. the, when, when they're telling these secrets, they're, they're, they're leaning down right in front of the, um, the, the corpse and the, the face of the corpse is covered with this cloth, this, you know, I guess some sort of funerary uh, vestment or something. And, um, you know, there's, there's a scene when he, when he, when he whispers that the, the cloth kind of blows up a little bit and freaks him out. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's really good. That's really good. Um, it's all, it's also really good because they've already established uh, like a wind presence. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, some of the candles blow out. So that that little rise from the mouth cloth isn't totally unexplainable, but it still right. seems really weird because of the placement. Very good point. Thank you for mentioning that because that was that's that's critical. And so if, if if they had just shown the guy, you know, getting up and like his eyes opening and then being like extremely white and like pupilless or something at the end of it, and then you know the end, that'd have been great. That'd have been great. That'd have been that'd have been fine. Now he's got to talk, and it just completely it completely misses the landing. So, it and and this to me like when I when I generally when I find ones I don't like, it's because of some crap like this where they've just messed the timing up entirely. But I I actually enjoyed the humor of it because I think the the you got one thing a little mixed up was the second confession that you cited was actually the last one. And you get the gist of what happened, and the guy pops up and is like, "That was you!" And I just had to laugh because of all the confessions. Like you point out, like, oh, that's the, right, yeah. The, the woman was knocked up. I forget what the second confession was, but it was something something about benign. doing something to their dog or something. Mm. And I think. Yeah, it was basically killing his dog was the third confession, and uh, you know, it was it was like, oh, see, Master's love of his dog is like the most powerful thing in the world. <laughs> and I, I just had to laugh because it made the, made it made the episode funny where it already had been scary. And I liked 
that that was possible. But I, I mean, if you're looking for straight horror, I can totally see how you'd be disappointed. I, I, I you know, I did, I did crack a smile when it happened. I, I just, I was so, I was so frustrated because they took a perfectly good fear curve and just like tossed it out the window. Mm. Anyway, that that was the one from 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 that season that I didn't I didn't like. Yeah, mine was uh, mine was the moon. Uh, which is just the story of a, a woman who's or a teacher or a woman who's at a, a some sort of office, small office, regional. Uh, and there's this old copying machine in the corner, and she goes to make a copy, and there's um, uh, like a line running through it. And then as she runs off more and more, there's more lines, and then it gets to be hair. And That's the hair one, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. Okay. Uh, yeah, that one's bad. And it's it's it just goes for a boo scare, but I mean it's got a good sort of building terror to it. But when the hair creeps back into the drawer, I think this is its best moment. Um, but then you know she doesn't actually come out of the machine, or you know doesn't come to life through the copies that have been made. No, she's hiding behind the copying machine, <laughs> and like that's the big boo scare. And I was like, oh. The the scary haired Japanese ghost woman is so overplayed by this point that when I see that now I'm just like okay whatever. The grudge still makes me shiver. <laughs> it's the grudge is good. It's it's a fine movie. It holds up, but that whole that whole trope that that trope crosses the border from trope to like cliche to me now. Unless it's the original source material, I'm kind of like, ah, I don't want to see that. Mm. It's like I don't want to see a cartoon Eastern European count in a vampire movie, yeah. <laughs> you know? unless he's being, unless he's there to be funny. <laughs> yeah, unless you're using them in some novel way. I don't want vampires. I don't want zombies. I don't want werewolves. <laughs> so, what about season two? Uh, season two, season two was. I really liked season two. What made you um, really like that apart from season one? Um, I feel like season two had more psychological horror in it, and maybe that's maybe that's just me. But nah, it, no, I definitely think so. It, 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 I felt like there was much more psychological horror, which if you're going to scare me, that's what you're going to do. I'm I'm not much of a you know body horrors. You know that's that's fine and like splatter gore kind of horror spine but it's the it's the mental psychological mood and and kind of atmospheric driven horror that i really like so this one had really strong episodes like that and and one of my favorite of those episodes was the one called wall woman because it's basically there's a guy and he's he's like a college student he's studying and he sees this beautiful woman in the uh, apartment building across from him, and you know she's out hanging out her laundry, and he's admiring her. And she goes back in into her her um, apartment, and this shadowy monster kind of just crawls up the side of the apartment and goes inside. And you know he he doesn't think that he thinks he's seeing things at first, and um, you know it it he he basically watches this monster, you know. Um, take possession of this woman and and he's 
not sure if it, he's he's just seeing things or not, and he you know slams the curtain shut and goes about his business, and he's he's you know trying to to pretend like everything's fine, and then he starts hearing noises and on the side of outside walls of his own building, and that's freaking him out. And I won't belabor the point, but um, the you know he uh, obviously the monster gets him because. Yamashi by there are no happy endings, but um, it it's so it's it's really great it's really creative um, use of that as my mind playing tricks on me all the while you kind of know because by now in season two you know the conceits of the show something's coming for him <laughs> and so you know that as as the viewer he's not sure it it creates this great tension and then you know has it ends right where it needs to. You know, reveals the monster. You know, kind of, kind of has the, 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 the relief of that tension, the climax of the tension, uh, and 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 scene, and it's done. And really like that episode. Um, another episode I like from season two is the capsule toy machine one. That's a great episode. That one's so good. And it talk, goes, talk about that one. Oh man, it's 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 wonderful because it literally has no monster. The monster is obsession, basically, and mm-hmm. it's a specifically obsession with the past. And all it is is um, it starts off with one man walking by another man on the street who's, you know, uh, toying with a little uh, vending machine that gives out those little plastic globes. And he just sort of brushes it off. He's like, oh, why is that, you know, old guy so obsessed with that machine? And it's like, oh, shit, i got to get home and do work. So, of course, the next day when he's on his way home from work, the old man's no longer there, so he decides to check out the machine. And turns out that this machine uh, produces uh, little items that either are reminders of the past or actual items from the past. And what happens as each as he as they put each coin in to get another plastic globe filled with uh, physical rendition of a memory is they age. So you know they're basically wasting their life away. You know, getting these little trinkets to remember, and it was just so well done because they're just obsessing over like these, like treasured moments, and you see how like either longing they are for something that was brighter back then. Um, so you assume like that that workday dronery is you know totally not worth it anymore. And how much soul that has been sucked from them. It was just such a perfect episode, and that's four minutes. It's it's really good, um, and and it could be entirely in their mind. It could be entirely in their head that they're that they're seeing what they want to see when they, uh, you know, get the get the gotcha pawn the little little uh, toys out of the machine, and. You know that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that the Gachapon machine is actually the monster, and it's just sucking their soul like right out with with this kind of psychic attack on their memories and stuff. And I think I think any way you look at that, it's just a really well put together uh, episode, and it has that sort of cyclical thing that we see in a couple of the of the episodes in this series where you you or you're introduced into the episode by a character observing somebody, you know, succumbing to the, the supernatural effects in the story, um, or the, the, or succumbing to the horror in the story. 
and then they succumb to the horror of the story. Then it ends with some other guy coming up and seeing, you know, the whole cycle kind of repeat itself where a new person comes up and sees the the, the focal point character, you know, succumbing to the horror. And it's that cyclical kind of thing um, is sort of, really, really neat. Yeah, that sense of this is never going to end. Yeah. Like, where do the bodies go? <laughs> that was, that was like, the thing I thought of right after the end of that episode. It's like, why is there not, like, six dead people, like, just, like, sitting there on the ground? Or, or at least their clothes. Or, you know, because yeah, you, could, you could say they all turn to dust, because that's what you would assume with just constantly aging. But yeah. um, at least their clothes would be there, right? Unless, like, right. someone just came along and swept them up or picked them up or... This is the problem with horror is you, you can't you can't overthink like yeah. all the rational angles. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff, just be scared. Yeah. But uh my my one of my favorite episodes was actually one of the first and a lot of people didn't like this. Um the the people who liked Yamishi Baya during season one, when season two first aired, it was two years later, um and it started out as, you know, the typical, oh, the dumb, uh, there, there's this presentation a cop is giving to a group of students, I think, oh, um, about bicycle safety. And, you know, his, his dummy becomes, you know, locked at one point, and what locked it was, what jammed its mechanism was a little wooden talisman that was stuck in there that fell out. And you know, you know, where that goes from there. Uh, dummy, of course, becomes alive. And, uh, but that's not the scary thing. I mean, if you like dummies, that's the scary thing, but, or dislike dummies. Um, but what really worked for me is it turned from boo scare or slight boo scare with the dummy into psychological warfare because this dummy's whole line in the, in the presentation was about how he, you know, got into a fight with a car on his bike and how he, you know, fell down and, he, the the presenter pretty much gets up to that point, but that's when the dummy breaks. And in the second run through, where the dummy's actually alive and speaking for itself, if you listen carefully, and if you're reading along with the subtitles, it keeps going on to describe the pain and how much it hurts, and all that, all the, all the description of you know just it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, and it's like wow okay, that's effectively a, a sad and miserable ending. <laughs> All in front of a bunch of kids, yeah, too. Yeah. That's that's that extra little spice that makes it especially creepy. That's I, a pretty good one. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's an underrated one. I think people might just be scared of, of talking dolls. Mm. I know I don't like clowns, so there's that. Oh, lucky for you, there's a clown in season three. Oh yeah, no, I noticed. <laughs> I did not miss that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I sent that picture to uh, Vinny Averello too. <laughs> it's like, hey, Vinny. Oh, by the way, anyone listening to this podcast should send their clown pictures to Vinny Vinny Av AGC on Twitter. Yes, don't send them to me. If you have to send them to someone, sorry, Vinny. <laughs> you, Vinny, Vinny will take the hit for the team. And speaking of him. Um, I do want to give a shout out to the All Geeks Considered podcast, who just in the last day or so as of this recording, so probably a couple weeks ago from when this recording debuts, but um, they did a episode on 
the old Universal Pictures monster films like Dracula and Frankenstein. Um, I think they're going to have a second part that does the Wolfman and Creature from Black Lagoon, if I'm not imagining that. Anyway, um, if you like the old horror movies, definitely go check that out. They did a great job with that episode. Just wanted to give a shout-out to that. If, if uh, you guys haven't checked that out, definitely go check that out. And returning to Yamishibai, it is a great – well, it is it – is, it is a great uh, podcast, and I'm definitely going to be checking that episode out now. Uh, well, not now. We've got a podcast to record. Yeah, so, I'm about uh, to say, don't, don't leave yet. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get to season three, uh, which was a really big departure for the series, I thought. Uh, you mentioned the, the sort of the upscale in what, what a lot of people call budget. Uh, it was increased production values, um, mm. a lot more movement, a lot more... Uh, a lot more character designs, especially because it's yeah. sort of a monster of the week, literally, thing. The whole frame of the show changes. Um, the fact that there is a frame. Yeah, there is a frame. Number one, there's a, there's a, a frame around the season. Um, it and is you, monster of the week. And you won't um, know the frame until it bites you in the ass, which is lovely. Yeah, all the way till the end. Um, the um, yeah, as Inc. said, very monster of the week. Um, I think season three, there, there's a bit more of that. I don't know if it's parable, moral lesson, or hey, stupid, don't do stupid things, <laughs> kind of kind of theme in season three. There, there's also that sort of God hates you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vibe going through it too. The gods are evil in season three for sure. Like even that first episode, tunnel, um, where you know it's just that typical. Oh no, we're we're running out of gas, and you know they run out of gas in a tunnel and end up you know meeting their fate with a huge monster. Yeah, another one of those wrong place, wrong time sucks to be you. You've driven into um, a tunnel of of hellish monsters basically that will take your heads and use them for appendages. But that, <laughs> I, I really didn't like that episode. when I, I think that was the first episode of the third series season. Uh, it oh, might no, have been. it wasn't. Yeah. Oh. It, was, it was early in there, though. Let me see. It was the... It was the second episode. Second episode, yeah. And I, I really loved it just because of how they use the monster. Basically, the first thing that appears outside these the stranded couple's car when they're in the tunnel are just two faces outside the the window and you know the kids faces and they're you know just sort of peering in the window really oddly lifeless even for the the paper doll theater with and, creepy smiles yeah don't forget the creepy smiles because <laughs> children are bad um but then they start moving in parallel and they sort of raise up a little, and you see that they're not human necks. And all of a sudden, they're thrust into the uh, the da- the uh, what do you call it windshield. And there's tentacles like shoved up their spinal cord. <laughs> uh, it was just a really nice reveal for the monster, and just unique ways of puppetry. It, a much better reveal for that monster than a lot of the times where we've had the monster revealed. Mm. Um, and I think the focus on a monster of the week theme for the third season actually makes it better at at 
at, you know, the boo scare pieces. Um, for the most part, mm. not, not, not in every episode. Um, they, they, they still, they still overdo it in, in a couple of episodes. Yeah. The, the cuckoo clock. Oh, <laughs> I was just miserable. <laughs> yeah. That was, that one was, that one's gone awful. Um, in, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the finish, it did. It did some nice things in the middle, but uh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, what what the what the monster of the week thing really lends into is actually the frame story, um, or the just the frame because there's not really much of a story there. But um, I, I like the fact that all these horror tales are just basically from the imagination or the observation of this. Um, or basically, I'll leave it at that. Are just basically from the imagination or observation. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll spoil the hell out of the frame in like a little later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what What was your favorite episodes of of this season, Nick? Uh well, drawings, which uh, which we will have to save for later. Uh, but the That Side Festival. Hmm. Uh, uh, which is basically uh, just two girls at a festival, and um, one of her that one of the friends disappears, and while the other girl is looking at a bunch of creepy masks, um, this sort of other world festival starts calling to her and beckoning her to the other side, and just pretty much hunts her down. <laughs> just you me. can almost imagine that she. You know, this is another wrong place, wrong time type tale. But you could almost imagine that she just happened to take the you know the wrong turn mm. at a point when the worlds, the spirit world and the and the natural world were converging, and she just sort of ended up on the other side of 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 that uh, divide just by stepping a little to the left. Um, I, I really like that one too. And it almost had this sort of whimsical charm about it, <laughs> you know, till till well, till the end when it like you know the you had the scare at the end. Mm. The the parade was a nice touch. Yeah, it was almost like oh this this is the Tim Burton episode. Okay, got it. Uh, but aside from that one, um, the Empress doll, which I know you didn't like or you fell out of love with because of the ending. Um, I really like landing. That. Ah, see, I, I'd argue, because this tale was about a bunch of kids doing a, a test of courage, which you know, old talk, no radio PSA, do not do. Um, they're inside this uh, abandoned or abandoned house in a residential neighborhood, and there's a, a doll missing from a display, and. Long story short, one of the kids ends up being the doll, and then after that, there's a boo scare with the monster who we've already seen. Throughout the episode, it does a great job of building tension and uh, an otherworldliness within this house. Uh, that mirror scene is great, uh, although I wonder why no none of the kids turned around to try and save her <laughs> as she was being dragged out. Um, but the the boo scare at the end is basically just the big doll laughing creepily and it's a great visual which is why i can't hate on it and then it makes a stupid face at the end and it's like did you really have to do that 
like like it it does the it does the creepy I'm a I'm a ghost uh, Hina doll and, and and that was awesome and then it does oh watch me be watch me do my scary face and it does this like distended like jaw and eyeball thing and I'm like are you kidding me like that okay here's what here's where that would have been a perfect perfect episode is if that episode had ended in either one of two places either the first place the first opportunity would have been when they come back into the room with the Hina doll set up and they see their friend splayed out on top of it with the Hina makeup on her face mm. and scene would have been perfect the other place that it still would have been good not as good as that other that other opportunity but still good is when they're trying to get out of there and you see the the ghost Hina doll thing creep it up on them yeah. and scene no boo stupid scary face I mean oh, it was so frustrating but it's such a like, good stupid scary face but 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 like like if they had screwed up the episode earlier then I would have been okay and I've been like hey yeah do something stupid yeah that's fine that's fine I, I would have been okay but I was I was like it's 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 like watching a figure skating routine and you really 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 want them to hit that triple toe loop really badly and you're you're like you know clinching all your guts as they go up and then they fall and you're like oh my god that's awful um because <laughs> that's kind of how i feel when i watch yuri on ice but that Ugh, it was just a missed opportunity, but otherwise, I can I entirely agree with you. Like the the way they build the tension, the atmosphere of it, the all of the creepy things they do, you know, they're the right kind of they're the right kind of horror movie. Stupid, it's great. Um, but the, the the very end of that just blows it for me, and I I just I couldn't I couldn't get get behind it after that. I was I was done. But so was it, fortunately. So. Hmm. It doesn't take long for the pain to pass because, you know, they're all short. Um, so even when they don't stick it, it's like, ah, uh, wasted four minutes. But uh, the, the my last favorite, and I know it's one of yours too, is uh, The Fourth Man. Yes. Which was just devilishly creepy. Why don't you tell them about it, Jerry? So the, the setup is, and I, I sort of alluded to it earlier, but the setup is um, you've got big sister and little sister, um little um big sister at school hears some classmates talking about this urban legend of uh these the handshake men these handshake guys right the handshake men where you you if you encounter them you have to shake the first second and third handshake men's hand uh but don't shake the fourth guy's hand because he's gonna bite your hand off and um, I've probably told you everything you need to know about it uh, to know how, how things play out. But um, you have a little sister um, at, at home uh, who forgot her homework or her notebook, and they go back to her school at night. Again, please reference the old Taku New Radio PSA earlier in the episode. Um, they, they go, they get the book. Um, they have a little minor nice little boo scare in there that was really well done and then on the way back of course they run into the handshake men and she's she's you know doing everything she's supposed to do um but then she gets separated from her sister at the end and she grabs onto a hand thinking it's her sister but it's actually the fourth man 
and uh, it ends with him starting to look up. And these these monsters are all like they have like really powerful arms that you shake to, to handshake. They look and like they huge have, brutes. Yeah, big giant, uh, giant like stocky muscular dudes, and they have these big heads. And at the end of the episode, you see you see the fourth man look up, and his jaw starts kind of unhinging like a cobra to, you know, snap shut on this on this poor girl's hand, and that's when it ends. And that is how you end an episode. So this is really an example of what Yami Shibai does really well, which is, you know, getting you right in and establishing that mood very quickly, telling you just the minimal pieces you need to know uh, to propel the action forward. You know, good horror storytelling. And then a real, you know, kind of a pop of an ending right at the end. And just, again, I think when you look at the series in general, I think this is one of the best examples of them doing it right. And I just, I I love this one, uh, top to bottom. It is a fantastic example. All right, so shall we talk? uh, This is is going to spoil the entire effect of season three. Um, So if... it, each episode is four minutes. Go watch the entire season right now and come back and listen to the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about drawings and how it relates to the entire series, or entire season. Um, so this was actually one of my favorite episodes because all it is is this little kid who you've seen a billion times now in all the opening sequences. Um, he just He's just holding this little sketchbook and he's constantly doodling in it. And it turns out he's, you know doodling all these monsters that he sees um, and that are attacking the people in his town. Um, and there's there's its own little story um, that the episode tells, but because this is the same kid used in the opening, you realize that this could as easily be you know, his observations of all the people in the town around him. And it's, it's just sort of a beautiful bit of framing because, you know, all of a sudden... The stories aren't just random stories; they're all this kid's imagination or this kid's observation. And it's it's just really the kid himself is the creepiest kid you've seen yet. And um, you you've got um, I guess the protagonist of of this episode. Although I I think it's debatable. I mean I think you could argue that he's the protagonist too. But the 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 poor victim. Let's just put it out there uh, in this episode as a, as a young student teacher uh, getting ready to start teaching or she has her first day of school at uh, uh, this Japanese elementary school. And she encounters this uh, young artist on the way uh, to school in a playground. And she notices that there's some kids playing you know, hopscotch and he's sort of set himself apart and he seems to be you know, just sort of drawing and not really paying attention to anything and she tries to talk to him and he sort of blows her off and um, then uh, she encounters him later uh, at the elementary school because she's in the class that uh, or that he's in the class that she teaches and uh, she tries to talk to him again and she's he basically blows her off a little bit more directly and says ah, you're boring <laughs> and um, but but something's not quite right she gets the sense of, she later learns that the kids that she saw playing in the playground earlier that morning have all gone missing, and she begins to, over the remainder of the episode, get suspicious of this young boy, and she starts following him around, and when she starts following him around, Ink, what does she see? 
don't remember. I'll tell you. Basically, <laughs> this she, is why you're here. <laughs> uh, basically, she she sees the kid drawing different yami, basically different yokai, just abusing and, and consuming humans <laughs> for more for for more of a for lack of a better term. Uh, so she follows him around. <laughs> There's like this little montage where she's following him around to all these these different spots where he's he's just drawing these poor people getting you know taken over by um taken over or or you know done in by yokai and i guess in in my head when i was watching that i'm like oh okay this is they're showing us what season four of yami shibai would be like right here so we don't even have to have that series anymore here, here it is right there so we've just seen it and then towards the end he encounters her and he says, Sensei, you've gotten so much more interesting since I first met you. I think I'm going to draw you now. And as he's saying that, you see all these different monsters uh, that he's drawn kind of throughout the series appearing behind her. Um, and right before then, actually, another important point, it's revealed that the, the kids that she saw that morning were consumed by some some uh, yokai that she didn't see then, but he ends up uh, drawing her, and that's um, the end of that story, but we learn that the the little boy is actually uh, something of a yokai himself, and he actually turns out to be, through this sort of indirect explanation, the narrator from the first two seasons. Yeah, the Itoki. yeah, and uh, it's super creepy. The end. It just wraps everything up so nicely, and I did not expect that in the slightest. No, it was really cool. And this this third season just came out, right? Yeah, it was uh, in January, and there's actually kind of a funny thing, because um, I was reading somewhere online, uh, and I'll post a link to it, but uh, evidently... Uh, most Japanese uh, horror stories take place uh, or set in summer because there's an association with water and dampness um, with and suffocation with uh, Japanese ghost stories. And seasons one and two both came out in July. Season three was the only one to come out in winter so far. Hmm. And I thought that was just kind of cool. Yeah, that is interesting. Given the drastic change, you know. Yeah, because um, season three does very much feel different. Uh, I mean, not even just because of the the aforementioned changes in animation, but the 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 focus of it, the fact that you don't have that narrator anymore. None of these uh, uh, episodes in season three are narrated at all, or introduced with a narrator at all. You kind of just you're straight in meteores and. Uh, you know, into the action directly. Um, so it, it is pretty different. And the only thing else I want to really talk about is uh, the ED or the uh, endings, because the the first one was just this record player playing this sort of solemn song. Um, it's a Vocaloid performance credited to Hatsune Miku. Um, the second is uh, another. Vocaloid performance credited to the same, but it's actually this really 
really jarring, uncanny valley uh, vocal thing because it it sounds so real, but it sounds it, through that filter, it just it sounds all the more creepy. And then there's the live performance uh, by the Miraz of Na Na Na, which is just the perfect driving, pumping, energetic, creepy you want. Especially mixed with the uh, the floating, eerie face masks just pumping the lyrics into the kid's ears at the end. Yeah, you kind of almost imagine the kid's got, got his iPod out there and he's just <laughs> listening to this music while he's drawing the impending demise of, of some poor person. <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the series? Um, only if you're looking for something really uh, quick and brief uh, and, and you're you're still wanting to be spooked out a little bit. Halloween didn't do it enough for you. Um, I would definitely recommend giving this a watch. That's pretty much it. I think I think I've said just about everything else. It's uh, available on Crunchyroll.com. You can stream one seasons one, two, and three in their entirety. There, uh, Sentai Filmworks actually licensed this. It was uh, one of the first shorts they licensed. Uh, only seasons one and two are available on that disc, though. I'm kind of hoping for a fourth season this winter. Um, so that there could be another home distribution release with that, with the third season on it, because it was, I ended up not, I, I began not liking it, but I ended up loving it perhaps just after, just just below season two. Season two is still my favorite, but season three did a lot of good things. Yeah, I think season two is probably the strongest for me also. When I think about, what the the different episodes that stand out to me the most? I think season two's episodes probably probably do uh, the most for me. All right, we actually had no Twitter uh, mentions or emails about Timishibai, which means more people need to watch the show so you can call in and ask questions, uh, leave comments on the AnnaGamers.com posts, so you know we can continue the conversation. Uh, also, make sure to catch the original Anna Gamers podcast with Evan Minto and Dave Australia. Uh, and come back to Anna Gamers for reviews of games, manga, and anime and from all of our contributors. Uh, Jared and I will be back in December to talk about something different. Mm-hmm. Where can you find all the various places of old Takuno Radio, Jared? Um, we are now up on iTunes, on Google uh, Google Music, and Stitcher. Uh, if you use any of those applications to find your podcasts, you'll find us there. Um, please leave us reviews. Uh, we would we would love to uh, get as many uh, five star ratings as possible. Uh, of course, if you want to send us hate mail, uh, that's fine. Um, Especially if we crashed your Google Music player last time. Oh, Especially if we crashed your podcast software. Sorry, Mr. Vince, on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, please uh, do go uh, find us there and, and leave us uh, wonderful, glowing reviews, and, and we will uh, thank you in advance for that. Um, as for Old Taku New Radio, we are on Twitter at Old Taku New Radio. Um, tweet us there, um, you know, just to let us know. Uh, if there's anything you'd like us to talk about in the future, or if you have any feedback on the show, or for questions for different different uh, shows coming up, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, Save versus Jared on Twitter. Um, I 
tend to, to mainly stay there. Um, you can also read my somewhat infrequently updated uh, gaming blog called uh, The Electrum Edition at uh, theelectrumedition.wordpress.com, um, or you can tweet to at Electrum Edition. Uh, I tweet from there occasionally. Usually it's, it's RPG-related, although I do some video game stuff on there. I'm about to actually be uh, publishing a piece on... Uh, world building and lessons you can learn about world building from the latest World of Warcraft expansion. So that should be going up probably in the next day or so. Um, and of course, you can find me at anygamers.com doing some reviews. And I might be showing up in some other spots in the not too distant future that I hope to be talking about soon. Um, you can find me at Animated Inc. on uh, the Tweety Box and in the pages of Otaku USA magazine, where you, you can actually hold anime reviews uh, that you won't find anywhere on the internet. Uh, just go to otakuusamagazine.com and subscribe, and then you will get awesome words by some of the most magnificent writers on Anna Twitter. Um, they're, they're talented folk, and you need to read their words. Uh, you can also find reviews by me on uh, anagamers.com. And if you're up for a bit of back-searching, go to Fandom Post and look for uh, Mastillo Von Plume. Uh, that was a moniker forced on me. Best <laughs> good name like ever. <laughs> it was just pointed out to me by one of the other writers. like, you know you named yourself MVP? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I totally just did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> not conceited. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Yes, we really appreciate all of the just want to say really quickly, appreciate all of the feedback and encouragement from the last episode. Really means a lot, guys. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we're happy to have made it to two episodes, and uh, here's to a third episode in December. Hello, sir. How are you? I am much, much better than I was a week ago. Don't you love that feeling of not being sick? I do. Your voice is coming out of the wrong holes. Hang on just a moment. That sounded awful, didn't it? (laughs) Yes, it did. Which hole am I coming out of? All right. That's better. Now am I coming out the right holes? Yes, you are. (laughs) Uh...